0: One of my friends and one of our very early investors in Blue Apron, when I had my first child, pulled me aside and he said, make sure you set up a regular date night because you are not going to find time because you're just gonna be totally exhausted and you're not gonna wanna go out. And luckily we took his advice. It's amazing to just get out and feel like a human again.
1: That's Elia Pappas, founder and former CTO of the meal delivery service, Blue Apron. Elia left Blue Apron in 2019 and has since been on a journey to start something new, this time as CEO. In this episode, we talk about being in position when opportunity strikes, how people are the most powerful tool out there, and what it's like for a founder to leave their company. I'm Maureen Taylor, and this is Think Like a Founder. So now, and we've talked about this before, that you knew you wanted to be a founder in high school after watching your brother launch his own startup in the 90s, and you even interned there. What about that experience influenced you to be a founder?
0: My brother is about seven years older than me, and he had started a a software company and. South Boston, which was a very different time in the in the late 90s. It was just really exciting because I was in high school and I interned for him and I got to see a very like alternative picture to a corporate setting where they were in this old warehouse with exposed brick. And it was just a, a ton of fun because everybody was working on really interesting projects and it wasn't as stuffy as a corporate environment. And I thought to myself, I would really like to do this someday because I had a great time working there through high school and I actually ended up working there through college as well. I built their first mobile application. I wanted to go off and start a company myself someday too.
1: When you think back and look at that time, what bubbles to the top of your head that you cherish most about the experience for your work as you continued?
0: I would say what I cherished most about that time was just seeing that There was a different way that people could work and be creative and work in a less restrictive environment and have a lot of fun doing it. I got to watch that company go through a couple different versions of the product. It started off as an offering for photographers and voice actors, the marketplace to find clients, almost like an Elance or an ODesk at the time. And then they ended up pivoting completely into a CRM solution for staffing and recruiting firms which is a really dramatic shift but the company went through some really tough times and then found its footing really grew a lot and got going and was able to see the evolution there as i kind of worked there through the years the energy you could feel in a startup environment like that
1: you're an interesting character because both engineer and empathetic, caring business person, too. So you've got that weird combination of both.
0: Yeah, growing up, I was always fascinated by a computer. I remember my, my parents got a Zenith 8086 that could only render like 15 colors or something. And I remember programming and basic on it and finding all sorts of games. And I just really enjoyed working with computers at a very young age. But one thing that I think was a little different, like when I went through school, you know, I majored in computer science because it just was something that I was interested in. After working for my brother, I went on and worked in a um, consulting firm in Boston that involved a lot of software development. I always viewed software and technology as a means to kind of enable something or make things better, rather than the area where... I wanted to focus all my energy into just building for the sake of building, which I think there are a lot of engineers that are really passionate about the craft and would love to just build better frameworks and make the tools better. For me, what was exciting was always what can you do with these tools and how can you improve the world that we live in with these things that nobody really knows about or knows how to use? Like, How can you bridge that gap?
1: So with that in mind, right before you turned 30, you said, I either start building something now or I'm never going to have the risk tolerance to do it. And so you ended up making three major life decisions at once. So tell us about that.
0: I had reached this point where I was a director at this consulting firm and I said, I'm turning 30. I need to make a decision about whether I'm going to settle down and continue on this career track or if I'm going to start a company, I'm not... The biggest risk taker. I need to snap out of it and do it. It's not going to come and happen to me. So I ended up networking and meeting lots of people, and then um, I reconnected with someone who had asked me to be a co-founder years ago, and he invited me to his happy hour that he was celebrating his Series A. I went there, and he was serving beer that he was microbrewing himself, and there I met the person who would become my future co-founder we connected. He was in New York. He was an associate at Bessemer, one of the venture capital firms. And we would get coffee. And I remember telling him about how I was going about trying to start a company. And he was like, well, that's kind of a fool's errand. You should really just jump in and start your own business. And I remember taking offense partially because I knew that he was right. My path was not the most efficient one. But in retrospect, I think there was no textbook way to go out and do this. And so I had to just put myself out there and kind of experience all of these other things before I could actually see the right opportunity and know, yes, I want to jump on that. And so he reached out to me months later because he was thinking of leaving Bessemer and had this idea and he had already lined up investors and he just needed like a technical co-founder to pull the trigger and go. But he wasn't willing to do it in Boston, and so it had to be in new york, and so I was in this position where I had to decide to like leave my comfortable job. My girlfriend at the time and I were just starting to talk about we're going to move in together and um potentially start a company, and so I initially said, "It's now or never. I got to kind of take the leap." and so I left my job and went down to New York. My girlfriend and I had a very serious conversation. I was like, hey, I think this could be something. If this is, would you be willing to move down to New York with me? And so I was in this position of going through a very like conservative, safe path and doing like three very scary things for me at once: of like leaving a safe job, doing a startup, moving to New York City, and most importantly, effectively deciding that I was going to get married to the woman that I was dating which turned out to really work out for me but I've seen that pattern in life over and over again where you just have all of these big events after like years of calm you're dealing with really intense exciting periods and um, it honestly was one of the most exhilarating things I'd ever done
1: I'm dealing with a number of people right now that are kind of in the windy part of their journey and it's very frustrating and they think they might question their purpose, but I'm going to make sure they listen to this because that's okay. That's part of your story, getting to where you're going and do it really well. All right, so now you're in New York and there's something I'm reading here about Argentinian steak. So catch us up on that because that's pretty cool.
0: After... Two months of being in New York and launching this company. It was called Petri Dish. It was a Kickstarter for science research. We had an astronomer who was looking for moons outside of the solar system and an entomologist that was going to Madagascar to discover a new species of ants. It was really fun and really exciting. We had raised a very small seed round from uh, friends and family and my co-founders, former uh, venture capital firm. And it was going well. We we had put 30 projects on the platform. People were funding, and that guy found a species of ants. But we were finding there was a lot of friction to getting it going. And more importantly, it was just not going to generate the revenue that we thought it was. And so it became very apparent that we needed to shift gears and think about a new business. And so we had filled a whiteboard with at least 50 different ideas of strollers for pets and a lot of companies that uh, exist now and some that have been tried and don't exist like Uber for haircuts. We were uh, at lunch one day and I was just relaying to my co-founder about a experience we had over the weekend with a friend who had a barbecue and I said like oh why don't we do like an Argentinian steak and I looked up a recipe online and then We were running around these Manhattan grocery stores, and we had to go to three different places to find all the spices and the ingredients. It turned out awesome, and it was was so much fun, but I wish someone would just drop the ingredients on your doorstep and you cook it. And he wasn't totally paying attention, and he he said, wait, what did you say? And I I told him again, and he said, uh, said, I've heard of a, a company like that. And sure enough, there was a company in Sweden that was doing this in in a country of 10 million people or so. They had reached 100 million in revenue after a few years. And so the next morning he comes in and he says, we're doing that recipe delivered to your door idea. And I said, I want that company to exist. I don't want to start it. Like, I don't know anything about shipping fish to people over the internet. He was just really excited. And we started looking into it. And then we brought in our third co-founder who was a friend of his who had been a professional chef for years. And and the three of us just kind of went to our different zones of, of execution. And I think we had that idea in June of 2012. And we had our website up and we were shipping our first boxes to friends and family. And like two months later, it was just growing like wildfire right away. So I think it's all about Lining up the pieces, putting yourself out there. So you're in position when opportunity strikes.
1: This story is a fairy tale to a certain extent. One night you're in the backyard and wishing that you could just have it sent to you, the recipe and everything. And then the next day he says, we're doing that and how it works. But it is more complicated than that. And then you were really smart about building a culture. You guys were really cognizant of that. Is that true?
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's one of the most important things that I think people don't take into account when they're hiring. It's hard to hire, hard to find the right person. Like those first five to 10 hires at your company really do dictate the culture for everybody else. So it's important to be deliberate about what your culture is. And for me, within my engineering team, it was really important to me that we were bringing on engineers who were what you might call like product oriented. So people who understand what the product is that we are selling. And in our case, it was meals that people cook at home. So this is literally dinner and it's important that it's there on time. And are mistakes mean that someone has to maybe go to the grocery store or pay for takeout that they weren't budgeting for. So looking for people who had that degree of empathy where it was less about building necessarily like the most elegant technical solution, but really delighting the customer and making sure that you're providing the experience that the customer is going to appreciate. And that kind of set the tone for the team and the rest of the people that we kind of brought into the company as we grew.
1: And then how long were you uh, a co-founder? Four years, six years.
0: I was at Blue Apron for seven years. And I was the CTO there. And then as time progressed, I ended up being the COO for almost a year. And I also ran HR for about six months. So I got to wear a lot of different hats.
1: That's when I got to meet you. You were the COO and the HR. You had that, the triage of jobs. <laughs> it was, oh my goodness. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I was able to do that because I had, uh, going back to, hiring and the focus on really finding great people i had found a phenomenal head of product head of engineering head of it and enterprise systems that were able to totally run the technology ship while i put on the the operations and hr hats i never worried at any point that it wasn't in good hands and i think that again it just speaks to the importance of hiring people who are much better than you in a specific area so you can really focus on higher level things, and be available to put out fires as they break out.
1: To be able to also take over the COO and handle the HR part as an engineer. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. So the puzzle pieces come together. Now, was it hard to leave Blue Apron?
0: It was really hard to leave, especially as I think back on those early days and the culture we had built. It's your baby. Your company is always your baby. But at the same time... The company had been through a lot. We had a rocky IPO, a really like incredible trajectory just up until that point of just 500% year-over-year growth. It was really exciting. And um, after we got through the IPO, we had got the company to kind of break even. And I was looking around and thinking, is my role in charge of the technology going to be the thing that's going to take this company to the next level. In my heart, I'd always wanted to start a business as a CEO. And so again, it was one of those moments where it's like, okay, the longer I wait, the harder that's going to get. So we had an excellent team in place. And so I coordinated with the CEO at the time to start to phase out. And it was hard to leave, but at the same time, It was the right decision because the company was in good hands and they've done amazing things since then.
1: And I remember that. And I have to compliment you on that because it's something that personally I tried to live by and teach folks. But when you're that embedded in something and it is time for whatever reason to leave, to leave it better because you're gone is such a beautiful gift to give and hard to do. How long has it been? I mean, it's been a couple of years because you've...
0: It's been a couple of years, yeah. I had been on this journey again to find a new company to start. And the, the landscape has changed quite a bit since 2012. There's a lot more money out there. There's a lot more competition out there, but there's still a lot of opportunities. And so I do have the itch to start something again. And I've been exploring different areas. And part of the motivation is, yes, I want to start something as CEO and experience that. I miss building a team. I miss building a culture. I miss the feedback loop of your customers, whether those are consumers or business users, enjoying the service that you're bringing and and seeing the way that it improves their lives or improves their day-to-day. So a lot of that stuff I really want to do again. That's what I've been doing. And again, creating a company that kind of creates value for everyone involved. I mean, it was an amazing experience at Blue Apron, but unfortunately the IPO didn't turn out the way the investors expected, the employees expected. A lot of people were really set up to kind of have some life-changing financial success, and, and it just didn't pan out, unfortunately. And so I would really love to build something that this time creates value for everybody.
1: Other people have been in this situation, and it's a tough one going from one thing to the other, especially when you are mission-driven and the commitment to do something that is good that has impact on people. What are the biggest lessons you've learned that as you search for and find this new thing that you're going to do, what are you gonna do differently?
0: I'll be honest, I don't enjoy the brainstorming part. Of this journey, I, I really like the execution. I love building. A lot of people have told me, like, hey, you have to enjoy the brainstorming. It's some of the best part of the journey. For me, I get impatient, but I do try to take my own advice and take their advice because it is part of the journey. And so trying to live in the moment a little bit more and, and understand that it's all part of where you're ultimately going. But just to reiterate, you really have to be putting yourself out there and just meeting people, talking to people about what you're doing because... I've found that people are probably one of the most powerful tools out there.
1: When you think back, there are those moments in your life where someone said something to you and it's just in conversation, something happens. You just never forget that was pivotal as far as advice from somebody.
0: This is a kind of a cop-out because it's not business advice, but one of my friends and one of our very early investors in Blue Apron, when I had my first child, pulled me aside and he said, make sure you set up a regular date night because you are not going to find time because you're just going to be totally exhausted and you're not going to want to go out. So you have to put it in the calendar ahead of time. And luckily we took his advice and we did that because we definitely would not have done it. And... When you're a new parent and you're exhausted and you're working really hard and you just don't feel like you have time for anything, it's amazing to just get out and feel like a human again. And I really appreciated that advice.
1: That was Elia Pappas, founder and former CTO. Of Blue Apron. Blue Apron is a meal delivery service that partners with farmers and sustainability experts to build a better food system. You can learn more by visiting blueapron.com. Series producer is Mike Sullivan. Sound design by Mark Ream. Content and scripting by Jacelyn Drown. Production coordinator is Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Roisin Hunt. Selena Persiani-Shell, Matt Johnson, John Hughes, and Renvera.